Hey, so what you're about to hear is an interview I did with my dad, Joe Eastwood, or Mo, as some of you might know him. This was really nice to sit down with my dad like this. Um, he and I have sat down and gone deep before. Um, and we touched on some stuff that I think is a little hard for us to talk about. But I think overall it was a good experience for both of us. I think he's a wonderful man. I look up to him a lot. And I think that, you know, he's always been a wonderful person to be around. And I, you know, kind of just try to dig into what helped him become the the great guy that he is today. So uh, enjoy. First of all, thank you for doing this. No problem. Um, my first question for you, which might be kind of a weird one to answer, but you can answer it however you want. Who is Joseph Eastwood? Who is Joseph Eastwood? Yeah. That's a good question. Something I never thought about is something you don't think about. Well, I, you can answer it however you want or take whatever time you need. Like I said, I can cut out any, any you know, whatever. Who is Joseph Eastwood? Mm-hmm. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I really don't know what to well, say. Well, all right, so I'll just, start, I'll just start with what I know about you, and I guess you can tell me if these are things that you feel are part of your identity. Um, you are a multi-skilled, um, I guess, sort of a kind of contractor kind of person. Mm-hmm. You know, you're skilled in many trades. It's been your voca- your your occupation for your whole <coughs> life. Yeah, my whole life. Would you consider that part of your identity? Yeah. Yeah, those, yeah. those skills that you have and the ability you have to build the world around you, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, your father... Right. You're a husband. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Are those things you consider part of your identity? I didn't think about it like that, but yes. Yeah, like, how, what, do you, what do you consider, yeah, what do you, yeah, what do you consider your, how do you, what do you identify yourself as? That's basically the question. It's not an, I guess it's not an easy question to answer, it's if you never really that. thought about it. No, not at all. Well, whatever, we can move on from that. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Father. We can we can come. Yeah, we can we could revisit it. Whatever, or maybe this will. Maybe we can just move on, and then this will just paint that picture instead. All right. Which I guess is kind of the intention. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How did you get started with your chosen career path? Which is by I suppose not wanting to go to school or okay. something, just working. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you want to go to school? I didn't like school. I wanted to play football instead of going to school. But I went <laughs> to high school. <clears throat> My original goal was to turn 16 and quit school. Mm-hmm. But I was talked into uh, um, 
staying in school because that's the only way I can play football. Okay. Um, not he- headstrong, about to quit. Though. Yeah, yeah. Not like that. Just thinking of when I turned sixteen to quit. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. I wish I didn't. Yeah. Feel that way, but. Well, when you're that young, you think you know what you want. And you don't really know. Absolutely. It's it's not a good time to be making big life decisions, but we force we force kids to make big life decisions at that age, you know. But it but it, regardless, it does point the trajectory of the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, for good or for better or for worse. Neither of my parents gave me any kind of direction. Mm-hmm. They had six kids to take care of. My father worked two jobs, and my mother. You have uh, t- uh, two brothers and three sisters. One sister has passed away. Right. Some. Most of which are still with us, fortunately. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that must have been. So so did you? So you didn't really have. You kind of had to make your own moral compass. Yes. Yeah. Well, part yes. What do you think helped you do that? If your parents didn't, just kind of going through stuff. Yeah. Seeing what happens. School of hard knocks. Yeah. I guess you could say. A lot of trial and error. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that works. It takes longer. Yeah. You know? For sure. Well, I mean, probably a lot of people... It's tough, you know, because I know a lot of people try to impart their wisdom onto their children, and you don't know how much of it they're going to take away, and even then, they're still going to do some trial error on their own, as they should. That's what being human is, is mm-hmm. experimenting, really. Um, My father, I know, didn't even go to school to eighth grade. Supposedly... He had. Um, he started at eighth grade. No, he or he quit at eighth grade. Make eighth grade. Oh, school. okay. He quit back in what is it, the twenties or whatever. Mm-hmm. Wow. To um, help his family. Yeah. Which was probably a common thing at that time. Sure. Because school, I mean, school. There was a certain point at which school was a. Lu- now it's a basic human right, you know, arguably, but there was a point where school was a luxury. You know, if your family had enough resources to get the shit done around the house or around the property. Right. One, or, one of you could go to school, you know, and then it slowly morphed so into true. how we are now, you know. Mm. And maybe it sounds like your your upbringing was kind of caught in the middle of all that. You know, you came up in the middle of, is this a necessity or is it a luxury? Is it a right or is it, you know, a privilege? I had to uh, work a uh, paper route probably a freshman in high school mm-hmm. so that I could have any money. We, my parents didn't have any money to give us. Yeah. They had we had no Christmas trees, no presents for Christmas many times, many years. Mm-hmm. I do remember that. And if I wanted anything, I had to go out and get it. Is that something you had a perspective on at the time, or was that just the way things were? Like, it's did you have a lot of pe- did you have a lot of people around you who did have those things, and you realized you were somebody who didn't, or is it just something you look back on and realize? Just what the way it was. Yeah, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. You didn't have any perspective at the time. No. And out of my money, um, oh, I don't know, my twenty, thirty, forty dollars a week that I made working, mm-hmm. I would pay twenty dollars a week to my parents mm-hmm. so to help them out. Help them out, yes, yeah. exactly. Moving from apartment to apartment, I can recall from kindergarten to eighth grade, four different grammar schools, mm-hmm. and I know, I know that we lived in three other places before that. Wow. I remember talking with different places. Why we moved so much, I don't know. Probably avoiding money problems and stuff. Because I'm thinking 
I used to think in the back of my mind that it was we got bounced mm-hmm. from rent to rent to rent for not paying. Right. But through all these years, up till when I was like I said when I was in kindergarten, mm-hmm. um, that that last stop there, wow, it's cool. Uh, the family just kept increasing. Whether we outgrew, yeah, uh, that's a good point. Don't know, but I do remember um, three three boys and three girls in a bedroom all the time. Yeah, up till Johnny was born in that house we were in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think any other kids were. Johnny was the last one. So maybe bigger places, one bedroom to two bedrooms. Mm-hmm. Back then, kids didn't need. Or have to have their own bedrooms. Right. Well, you imagine, you you know, that was a time when kids are out of the house a lot anyway. Yeah. You know, now it's Weird. like you need your own bedroom because you need to have all your shit in there, all your possessions and mm. that you're going to be inside using. And, you know, it, it, you know, it's actually kind of a funny thing. I know there's kids on my street that I know that they're poor, but they're outside all the time. But my suspicion is that's because they're poor. Mm-hmm. So it's like, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I, I don't know I, because they can't, they can't afford I know but what I'm saying is that was a generational thing yeah. iPads and stuff didn't exist yet you didn't have these things that were calling you to sit in one spot mm. and stare at a screen right. these kids now I know that they're poor and I'm suspicious that they're outside a lot because their parents don't have the money to buy them a bunch of electronics that would keep them inside but they're great they're ha- clearly happy little kids running around and you know what I mean mm. but at the same time it's like I wonder like why are they poor is their situation? What is their situation really like? I hope they're okay. I guess is my point. I hope this is a good thing for them, not being poor, but the consequ- some of the consequences of the fact that they're kind of detached from some of the problems and you know what's kind of going on with the youth now. Um, but I, you know, I don't, I, I don't have a whole lot of fully formulated thoughts about that. But that was just kind of my instinct when right. I, I noticed it the other day. You know. I see them outside all the time, but I had that realization that, like, oh, why are these kids... These kids are outside every day. Maybe that's why uh, kids aren't happy today. Yeah, it could be. Because <laughs> they don't go outside. Well, the other thing, too, there's a lot going on right now of people being told that they're allowed to... Um, it's almost encouraged to feel oppressed and to be outwardly unhappy about some injustice or something. But that's a di- we don't have to get into that. It's a different conversation. Yeah. But let's get back to let's get back to kind of what what happened with you choosing uh, your career path. So you were kind of up to it was up to you to decide what you wanted your future to look like, it sounds like, which is not anything. you don't know shit about the world when you're that age. No. So you think you know what you want, like we said. So you decided you wanted to play football, therefore you had to stay in school to to play football. So, what happened with that? I mean, was you, did you just want to play football in the now, or did you have grand ideas about doing something with football, or oh, was it more to play football? I wanted to be a in pro. The NFL. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um. So. So did that that was that going anywhere, or because I know that stopped because you ha- you got injuries. Um, is that is that is that accurate? Yeah, I had injuries in high school, but it stopped because it didn't go to college or anything. To play, okay. Okay. Playing. So you didn't really pursue that really like, no. real hard, and now is that because of you started working and kind of went that way instead, or you just didn't I have the ambition? Working full time. Okay. 
and didn't have any interest in school anymore. Okay. So you started working full-time while you were in high school? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, no, 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 part-time, because I had school every day. Okay. So how did you end up, because I knew what, you used to work in a florist shop mm-hmm. when you were younger, and how did you end up doing, um, you started as a carpenter, right? A painter. I a started painter? painting okay. when I was 20 years old with Willie, my brother Willie. Mm-hmm. Who's still a painter. He's still a painter. Mm-hmm. And then I've been doing a lot of painting these past few years. Yeah. Just easier on me, because when I started with Johnny, working full-time with Johnny, mm-hmm. Josh Willie and I started Your brother Johnny. End. Yeah. Josh and I started the construction end. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, we subbed, he subbed stuff out, and I did stuff part-time. Mm-hmm. But we um, started taking more stuff. Okay. And Josh is now right up there with the elite painters in the company. Oh, for sure, right? Jobs he won't ever tell you that. He won't ever bring that up. No, I don't think so. No. But it's just a given kind of thing. Yeah, I yeah, guess. for sure, for sure. And we can now have three carpenters. That were pretty much there full time. Mm-hmm. Besides me, I yeah. don't, I don't I haven't done a lot of carpentry because it's hard. Yeah, and my body's getting crickety. Yeah, yeah. And I've been doing more painting and kind of running, running some things, mm-hmm. and, uh, picking up, straightening up, emptying jobs. Yeah, um, taking care of the new shop that we have. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been, that gets too backed up at times, but um, it's easier. On me. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Mentally, I have more stress mentally mm-hmm. because I care. That seems to be the trade-off in work, right? Either you bust your ass physically <laughs> and you can go, you leave it at the door, or you take on more responsibility and you get to sit at a desk. But there's stress; you lose sleep and shit. So true. Yeah, yeah. So true. Yeah, I guess there's there's all kinds of trade-offs like that in life, huh? <laughs> so. So you started out as a painter, and did you just end up doing a carpent? Did you just end up doing other things because you were just around? Because a lot of the time trades cross paths and stuff, and didn't meet work people. out. Didn't work out the best working with Willie. Okay. And I had uh, oh a couple of odd jobs in between there, and went work with a painter, painting for a construction company, mm-hmm. and then I started doing. And about light. what age are we talking now? Twenty-four-ish. <clears throat> okay. So what happened more? What happened more immediately, like around high school? Did you, like after you were working? Did you start working full time right out of high school? Yeah. Okay. And at that was flower shop. That was, that was at the flower shop. Okay. And so you took that on full time, and then quit that to go do painting, and you yeah, did that for I a few. Had years. to get out of the flower yeah. shop. There was no, no, um, nowhere to go with nine it. to five. Oh, okay. Gotta. God, I had free reign. Yeah. You know, did what I wanted. And you felt like that wasn't healthy for you? Yeah. Okay. I had to move on. It was time to grow, yeah. so to speak. So you, did you feel, you felt like you needed more kind of structure, more deadlines yeah. kind of thing in your life? That's an interesting realization to have, you know, at that age. You know, I think that's, that's, uh... And I'm, money, too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that can definitely be a big motivator for sure. I was making three fifty an hour, mm-hmm. which was a different amount of money back in that time. And they offered me a dollar fifty raise to stay, and I I couldn't do that. Yeah, I still which I had to get out. Wow, that was a big raise. That's a huge raise. That's like the equivalent of me getting offered. Well, it's like you know fifty percent of your hourly rate, or a little less, but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think I'd be able to turn that down. I'd probably... Well, my first paycheck was $200 with painting. Mm -hmm. And five times four, that would have been gross, 200 there at the flower shop. Do you remember that amount? Of your oh, yeah, first... I remember my first $200. You... I was rich, man. Do you remember what you did with it? No idea. No? No, I didn't, I didn't do any drugs. Yeah, that's good. It was how old was I? It was probably, uh, I really have no idea. Mm -hmm. You just remember the feeling of having that money and, yeah. Coming yeah. from a poor, really poor family, and that was a lot of money. Yeah, it's about seventy-five, seventy-six, seventy-seven. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in there. Yeah. <coughs> so, so you so you started out being a carpenter, and then now, what what were you doing as a carpenter initially? Were you doing your own thing, or were you working for somebody? Working, I was well. I was painting with um, right. this company, and I did odds and then um, would fill in with doing carpentry stuff. Oh, okay, and did and it was was it a skill that you kind of developed on your own, or was somebody like, hey, give me a hand with this, and you just kind of pick some stuff up, or both? Both, okay. Both a lot of learning on my own. Mm -hmm. Pointers. There's a lot of um, uh, I don't know what the word is beginnings and you take off from that yeah yeah you know what I mean mm -hmm. yeah I mean I guess that's the thing about the kind of work that you do is that like you can have you can never be fully prepared for what you're about to walk into because every house is different every situation is different absolutely yeah but having a lot of that base knowledge is what allows you to not figure it out you figure it out, figure it out but having knowing how to figure it out requires that base knowledge mm -hmm. knowing what things to try yeah, or base. you know yeah so, so you did that for you did the carpentry thing, and then that eventually turned into your own business. Well, I went to uh, school for solar technology. Oh, right, yeah, around nineteen eighty. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was pretty cool. It was an eighteen month course. Mm -hmm. But solar wasn't around. There wasn't solar jobs yeah. after that. And I hooked up. There's a big gap. Hooked up with a company. Um, talking to people. Mm -hmm. I worked at the European Health Spa. And I started doing replacement windows with him. And like, insula not insulating house, but air tightening houses. Mm -hmm. A couple solar, a couple, three, four solar systems. On people's houses. Mm-hmm. And that ended, just not be, ended up just not being a lucrative... It was a yeah. small company. I was the only person. Yeah. Then a couple of uh, officials mm -hmm. that sold, and um, they didn't work out together. Yeah. And nobody... I mean, I can't imagine... Solar is a much more of a uh, popular thing now oh. than it was then. Well... Imagine where we'd be now if it took off back then. You know, where would our just, uh, just the nuclear? Yeah, well, just the back idea. Then it was of, a choice of nuclear and solar. Yeah, and so well, the thing is, too, back then solar panels were a lot more expensive to produce. Knowledge wasn't there. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, there wasn't a lot of companies dumping a lot of resources and money into R and D. You know, mm -hmm. whereas now it's like every year the the efficiency increases and the cost decreases. So. But again, that's another conversation. <laughs> um, 
So you did that. That didn't quite work out, and then you went back. To, you fell back onto your your previous skills as a. I was that started working for myself because I had picked up a little bit of work mm-hmm. through them. Okay. And during that time, I met this girl. Uh, well, <laughs> after I get no, I wasn't divorced from the first wife yet. <laughs> I met this girl who gave birth to my two children. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure you're one of those as me, right? I think so, yeah. You're not talking about... This oh, I'm it. real sure. I'm not learning about... <laughs> real sure. <laughs> <laughs> you can take it to the bank. Um, so, so, so I want to back up a bit. Um, so I want to make it clear that I, th- it, in my eyes... You are a person who is very, you have a big heart. You're a very <coughs> caring person. You have a lot of love in you, a lot of love that you're able to show other people. And if your parents were like there, but not there as far as like guidance and morality and stuff like that, who do you, can you think of any specific situations or people in your life that kind of helped you kind of get there? Or is it the kind of thing where, you know, some people kind of look back on what wasn't provided for them or how, how, you know, things weren't so good with the people that controlled how their life went when they were young. And they just said, I'm, I'm going to not perpetuate that. Is that the kind of thing that you kind of did as you moved on? Or were there people that, that more morally took the place of what your parents didn't provide? Were there other people that kind of girls that I was with? Yeah. Wives. Mm-hmm. Um, had more structure than me. Mm-hmm. I had nothing. We were like freaking hillbillies or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was r- rough. Yeah. I was, uh, I wasn't cultured. Is that the right word? Or, uh, yeah, I think I know what you mean. You weren't, uh, civilized. You were, uh, you were, uh, f- feral. Yeah. You little, could say that. Yeah, a little wild. I can't remember my girlfriend in high school, um, really, really tight with her family. Mm-hmm. And I was more tight with her family than my yeah. parents. Okay, so situations like that where there yeah. are people that you can look up to and talk to and stuff like that. Did you? Mm-hmm. I mean, did you? You kind of you ended up with like different like kind of surrogate families more or less throughout Indeed. the years. Yeah. yeah, and my first wife um, civilized me mm-hmm. some, mm-hmm. and then your mother. Mm-hmm. Um, we had the family in the house. I had mm-hmm. a house. Yeah, I guess if anything will kick you into gear, it's having children, you know. So mm. that's a, I don't want to say that will kick you into gear, but it's a big opportunity to kick yourself into gear. And They have no, no, no um, direction or desire, interest. Family life is different. Yeah. Raising a family than, yeah. than being on your own out there. Mm-hmm. So you're so in your but in your first marriage you guys adopted a daughter, right? How old was she when you adopted her? She was handed to me from her um, grandfather, right from the hospital, like days old. Wow. So was that kind of a start of you? Like you know, it was kind of maybe like a slow build up to you kind of because the thing you know, from my point of view, if you if you kind of had this rough kind of upbringing where you had to kind of make your own moral compass um if the first thing that happened to you that kind of pointed you in that direction of um being a better person being a more functional compassionate kind of human being 
Okay, so so basically what I'm trying to get at is that you you had kind of a slow build up to getting to the point where you could um you could have children and use that as an opportunity to improve yourself in ways that you didn't perpetuate the way your parents raised you. Absolutely. Okay. So we don't have to get into the details of all those processes or how, you know, any, any of that stuff. Um, but the point is that you went, you went through some, some tough, some tough things. You maybe made some bad decisions, but at the end of the day, you did not perpetuate being an absent parent. You did not perpetuate your kids growing up poor. Absolutely. Unacceptable. And what I'm saying is, do you, do you think, you think that that, do you remember making that decision? Is that a decision that you made? Or is, do you think it's something that just kind of happened organically through people influencing you peripherally? What decision? Well, maybe it wasn't a decision. To have children? No, not to have children. The decision that <clears throat> once you had children, you... My, like, my life as a child was an orders of magnitude better than your life as a child. Right. So you did not perpetuate that... Um, that way of living in such a way that you know you you gave me a moral compass. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Whereas you did not get one from your parents. Yeah. Is that did you decide that you wanted my life to be better than your life was, or do you think it just kind of happened organically? A parent you? always says that. Yeah. But um, it was just a subconscious thing. Yeah. To raise my children how I thought. Yeah. And. I let them form their own opinions a lot, mm-hmm. a real lot. Um, I, I just felt the right thing yeah. from inside. So it was kind of kind of a natural thing, you feel yeah. like. Yeah. yeah. It just felt like the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But what I think is really interesting is that you somehow got a sense of the right thing to do despite your parents not having a cl- I, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they didn't have a clue of what the right thing to do was versus being purposely neglectful. Right. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they just were ignorant. But, you know, it's okay. It's, 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 I couldn't imagine having six kids trying to keep food on the table. Well, you don't have six kids by accident. They didn't have television. No. <laughs> Um, well, I'm no, sure they had some sort of birth control, but anyway, that that's beside the point. You know what I mean? You, you, regardless, you know, you make decisions in your life. Do you own those decisions, and you you know you make things okay regardless, or do you just let it whatever take the easy? See, because this is the thing I was I, I have had in previous conversations is that a lot of the time when shitty things happen, when you do something shitty to somebody. It's a lot of the time because you took the easy route instead of having that tough conversation or making yourself work a little harder to help yeah. that person out or something like that. You know what I mean? That's you got true. emotional instead of instead of being empathetic or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So what I'm saying is that you know you um, maybe just through your life experiences, through good decisions that you did make, things that maybe you didn't even realize were decisions, for you to listen to the what your girlfriend's father said to you or your girlfriend's mother said to you or, you know, something you overheard that stuck to you, things that just happened that formed this subconscious that wasn't formed by the conventional your mom and dad saying this is right, this is wrong. You know what I mean? Fortunately, you had these other people in your lives that kind of took you in and said, hey, you know, 
this, this, is, this is how we are. Take from that what you will. And some part of you allowed you to improve yourself based mm-hmm. upon it, you know? Yeah. So that's impressive. That's really, that's really cool. That's, it's, it's cool. It, I get, yeah, I guess my whole takeaway from, from, from all that is that, you know, you, you can, you can, uh, you can be better that, than what came before you, even if you could, you could, you could make the excuse that you had a shitty childhood and that you could make that excuse to be a shitty person. Yeah. But you're not, yeah. and you didn't, you know, and it might've been like a slow build, but at any point you could have just said, ah, well, my, my dad wasn't, my dad didn't hug me. So I'm going to be an asshole to every guy I meet. You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. I, you know what? A lot of people go that route. Yeah. But it sounds like you had a lot, you know, and maybe not a lot, but enough people in your life that showed you a better way to be. And that's the route. That's the route that you took. So that's really cool. And I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative for those people. I wonder, um, I used to love to fight. Yeah. That is something I want to talk about a little bit too. What do you, what do you think? You've told me many times that, um, you used to fight all the time and it was kind of an outlet Maybe. Like Every to, school I moved to, I got picked at. Picked yeah. Down, so I had to fight. Right. Or... Yeah, I guess it was a different time, too. Because, well, people are testing you. Yeah. And instead of being submissive, you felt like you had to prove something. And at the end of the day, those decisions are to prove something to yourself. Because you're changing your social standing within a group by... Yeah. Fighting, oh, yeah. even if you're going to get your ass kicked, fighting back, you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that's about you anyway. At the end of the day, that's about you. It's not about them. Mm-hmm. It's about how you think they think of you, you know? We have these different versions of ourselves. You know, we have w- who we think we are, we have who other people think we are, and we have who we think other people think we are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you have to kind of balance all those and, and, and kind of uh, figure out. And the true you is at the core of even that. It's not even any of those. Mm. You know what I mean? So right. we go through our lives trying to figure out how to get in touch with who the true you really is and then letting that out, you know? Um, so what do you... So obviously, a lot of people who know you now don't even believe... I don't want to say they don't believe it, but they're in in disbelief, I guess is a bit, bit of a better way to put it, that you used to be the kind of person that would fight all the time. Because, I, I mean, I can't... Even me, you know, I've known you for the last 28 years. And you, you've never seemed to me like the kind of person that could beat no, the shit could, out of somebody. Yeah, get past it. Yeah, yeah. But I, I loved it. Playing football, banging heads. and Yeah. Man, banging heads. Yeah. Whether it was, um, it must have been, it turned into an aggression to, to enjoy it. Look for fights. I didn't mm-hmm. look for fights. Well, when you're that young, you know, you, you have to have an outlet for your, uh, you know, as a, as a budding adult, as a man, you know, there has to be some kind of way for you to let out that hormonal stuff, you know? Mm. And uh, f- arguably football is a healthier way to do it, I guess. I mean, not, not with all the studies that are coming out now, but maybe you did football in just the right amount to get to get it out of your system and not end up with brain trauma later in life, you know? <laughs> right. Um. So, so let's tie that into your career. So we've established that, you know, you're, you're an empathetic person, you're, you're a good, you're a kind hearted person and your whole life kind of built up to that. And you definitely take that into your work with you because I've worked with you before and you treat, you know, customers very respectfully and well, and you're very honest with them and you're clear with them. And 
you know, what I would call that is you, you show love. You know what I mean? You're, you, you express a, yeah. an acceptance as a, for another human being, no matter what their situation. You know, there, there's people that you deal with that frustrate you and stuff, but you still, um, you're still very compassionate, mm-hmm. you know? Um, is that, uh, I'm not sure exactly. I guess that's not really a question. <laughs> but I have noticed that, you know, um, do you, I mean, I guess you're in the, you're in the kind of work where a lot of the time, if you're in somebody's home, well, you, you do, do you do more remodeling or like rep- I guess you do more of, like, remodeling stuff. It's not necessarily, like, repairing stuff. Both. Or a little bit of both? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. What do, you, what do you enjoy about the work that you do? The most... The smile on the customer's or homeowner's face mm-hmm. when the job is complete. It's so gratifying. Yeah. Absolutely. That's really cool because to appreciate... And, that, and that's empathy, you know? That's you sharing in their happiness mm-hmm. because you're the one who did all the hard work. And at the end of the day, that's if you wanted to, that's all you could take home is that you just did some work. You busted your ass, but you choose to take the side of it where you sh- you share in their happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, you're happy because they're happy and you were happy to be the one to get them there. I think that um, just falls into place. I don't know if you remember as kids, mm-hmm. um, one or both of you, I would tell you I, I don't know why we're here on this mm-hmm. planet uh, but to help each other and if you could help somebody that's the most wonderful thing do it yeah I agree with that completely and, and I really appreciate you you instilled that sentiment in me you know it's one of that's if there's one lesson I can say that you've taught me it's that help other people be there for other even if it's in some small way if so you, yeah it doesn't have know, to be it doesn't have to be, if you see, you know, if you see somebody that looks like they need help and you got a minute, go ask them if they need help. Mm-hmm. That's it, you know? And people are so appreciative of stuff like that. And you've kind of made that into your career of, you know, people needing something and, you know, because what you do takes, you have a lot of different skills. You know, you have, you're a quote unquote carpenter, but you know, electrical stuff, plumbing stuff, siding stuff, roofing stuff, you know, all kinds of stuff. So you have all these different ways that you can help people that yeah. most people don't have those skills, you know. And that's kind of the point of these these talks is to kind of learn. I was having a conversation earlier today that I, I want to remind people that listen to this, that everyone that they come in contact with is also a human being who has not had it easy. Mm-hmm. You know, some of us have had it easy. I, I would argue that I've had it pretty easy. Mm-hmm. But... You did not have it easy. You had a really shitty childhood, and you had to work hard to become the person that you are. You didn't, not necessarily like, be, being a good person and being uh, positive and, and being a compassionate person is a practice. You have to remind yourself to do it. And I know sometimes the way you do it is if you say something that maybe wasn't the nicest thing, or if you make an assumption about somebody you know, you'll you'll apologize to God or something like that and say, you know, I'm forgive me for saying that. I, I reacted with my ego. You know, I know you don't say those words, but that's what you're saying. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? I apologize to him all the time. It's a pra- What I'm saying is it's a practice. Yeah. It's something that you practice regularly. It's a skill that you've honed. Being compassionate is not... It doesn't come easily. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the easy reaction is to, is to... is to get angry or to get frustrated or to blame. You know what I mean? And, and, yeah, yeah. 
yeah. you know, that's definitely a skill that you've you um, helped me learn early is for compassion for sure. Um, what 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 do you dislike about what you do? What do I dislike? My work, you mean? Yeah. In my work? Yeah. Um, the way that people can abuse their job. Mm-hmm. Stealing time. Mm-hmm. Um, not caring. Yeah. About their work the way I do. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely, you definitely do care about, you know, making the right decision, doing something the right way for somebody else. And I think probably that has something to do with kind of you putting yourself in, in the other person's shoes, whether whether that other person is your boss, the person who pays you, mm-hmm. or that other person being the person who's going to have to use the thing that you're building, you know, or something like that. Um, and you definitely have a, a good sense of um, what it means to have a job and do that job. Yeah. And I definitely share in that. That's something that you've definitely been able to pass down into, you know, me and Josh. Yeah. Um, what about as far as the other end of it, as far as um, dealing with um, the people that you're doing this work for? Is it, is it generally positive or do pe- you seem, you know, is there uh, anything that ever gets frustrating about uh, the other end of things? No, a lot of times um, now, especially I don't, well, it's, it's not, I don't deal with those people a lot. Yeah more with the employees um working with the employees your co- your co-workers yeah. I mean yeah because I work for different corporations and don't see people at times oh okay okay a lot mm-hmm. mostly do you did you I mean because I know in the past a lot your work was more centered around being in people's homes and stuff like that it was 12 years yeah when, when you were independent contractor yeah yeah did, did you like that more than now? Do you like being around in that more direct, like, working at people's homes, or do you like it better when you, you know, when it's more commercial stuff? I enjoyed that. Yeah. The personal touch. Mm-hmm. Much, much more. Yeah. Dealing with the homeowner. Mm-hmm. And pleasing them. And obviously getting paid. Well, of course. Yeah, naturally. But that, that, like, the biggest thing was the smile on their face when the job was done. Yeah. And they say it's like you weren't even here. Yeah. Like nobody was here and it was just done. Yeah. That's funny. It's a funny line to hear, isn't it? Mm. I can't I can't tell you did anything at all. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing. But those, those are some of the most important jobs in our society are the ones that if you're doing your job right, nobody even thinks to thank you. You know what I mean? Which is really weird, and mm. it puts us in a weird place as far as thinking about the other people that are behind the scenes. You know what I mean? And the um, that's that's you know that's another thing about this, you know, this project is to you go into somebody's house, you spend eight hours there, you know, installing whatever, some plumbing in the bathroom or whatever, and then you leave, and you might most likely you'll never talk to that person again. Mm. And you yeah. had an eight-hour relationship with that person, you know? And they might not ever even think of you again. They probably can't pick you up out of a lineup and you nor you them, you to them either. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that doesn't mean that either of you is any less deserving of love and respect, yeah. you know? And yeah. obviously, I don't mean romantic love. I just yeah. mean love as in understanding that that's another person. 
and they're not ever going to get an opportunity in that eight hours. They're not going. There's no time. There's no opportunity for them to get to know you at all. You know. Okay. So that's kind of what I'm. Did the cat get you? She like us. Yeah. Um. Well, I think that's an, I think that's an okay place to wrap it up. And yeah. that you know you have you have this this really solid moral system of compassion and love for other people, and that you get the most pride in giving giving that to other people. And that's that's cool that you know your work lets you do that. Not not so much as it used to, but you know. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate you instilling that same kind of philosophy into me of getting that gratif- gratification from making other people feel good. You know, because that is that is what it's all about. If you if you can even do it for a moment, even just even just when you're walking by somebody on the street and you give them a little nod, that that is just a little sliver of what we're talking about. Hey, you're a human. I'm a human. We're both in the same spot. We both got shit going on. But I see you. You're all right. I'm all right. Have a good one. That's what's in that nod. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's there's a lot in it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to say it. It wouldn't make any sense to say any of that. It would feel clumsy to say all of that. But yeah. that little nod, you know, and that and that's. I remember be you know, seeing you do stuff like that when I was very young, or you know, hey, how you doing? To somebody who you don't need to have a conversation with, you can give them your cash and they'll give you your change and you leave. But a little, hey, how you doing? How's your day going? Oh, you you know, you must be getting off of work soon. You know what I mean? Like, just stuff like that, Mm -hmm. you know, just little tiny little bits. And it all adds up to solidifying your philosophies, you know? Yeah, so right. Yeah, and you're a a big part of that. And uh, I do my best to to share that, what you shared with me with other people. And that's kind of the point of this, too. So I really appreciate you sitting down with me and helping me get to the bottom of how you got there. So thanks, Bob. I love you. Ah, I love you too, Jay. That's pretty cool. I, I almost feel like I was at um, psychotherapy. <laughs> <laughs>